Hour number two here, Sports Radio WEEI. Christian Arcan, Megan Ottolini. It's Arcan and Mego here. Be talking with our good friend Tommy Kern in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to that. Wanted to take a quick football break here, though. And uh, talk about what the Red Sox did yesterday. And uh, what a mixed reaction to it. I think for the most part, everyone's happy that it happened. I don't know of anybody who's upset by the fact that the Red Sox signed Rafael Devers. So I want to get that out of the way right now. I'm not upset that they signed Rafael Devers. I don't think anybody in the world is, except maybe uh, Garrett Cole, because <laughs> Devers owns Garrett Actually, Cole. he's happy about it, too. So every <laughs> single person on the planet every is happy step, about that's it. That's it. It's unanimous. Everybody Can't likes confirm. it. Um, but I do think that in uh, in sort of sifting through all this reaction, most of it positive, you're sort of left with the uncomfortable reality of what this team still is and how... I don't want to say bare minimum because 11 years, $330 million, you cannot you can't call that bare minimum. But in terms of like getting into the game, getting into free agency, like understanding how the mechanisms of it work and how if you want to retain elite talent, those are the kind of numbers you have to start with. Like that's that's how it works. This is where we are. I feel like they're stuck in the old days or High and Bloom stuck in Tampa Bay doing things the Tampa Bay way and they can't like they finally realized, okay, this is what you have to do. We didn't do it with Mookie. We didn't do it with Xander. Here we are doing it with Rafael Devers. Everyone tell us how great we are. And it's like Welcome to the welcome to the show. You know, like welcome to the party. This You're is what late. everyone's doing. Yeah. You're late. And the most important guests up until this one already left. Right. So I mean, I don't know. That's how it feels to me. Uh I was trying to stay positive about it because it was great news that we got on air yesterday. We talked to Rob Bradford. If you missed that, check it out on mm-hmm. the Odyssey app. He had a lot of good information. But in talking to Bradford yesterday, and I went home thinking about this and I woke up thinking about this, and the way that he described this as closer to a one off than a trend that we should expect from Heim Bloom and ownership. Whoever you think is, you know, the puppet master right. with building out this team that this is something that they did because they had to do it, not because necessarily they wanted to do it and this is part of the vision and everything. They had painted themselves into a corner with the way that they handled handled, handled the (laughs) Xander situation. And if you want to take into account the Mookie situation a couple Mm -hmm. years before, and they absolutely had no other way out than to be pro. By the way, I, I know it's insane because... It's an 11-year deal on top of the one year, and it's such a high. It's like the, the fifth highest yeah. contract. And there's and a $20 million signing bonus, right. too. And, yeah. I, and I understand that, you know, for people coming from other sports or just looking at it on its face, they're like, that contract's disgusting and ridiculous. Richest contract in, in team money. history. Right. But at the same time, like, to your point, it's... Well, they did this a year early because if they had waited later, we would have been talking about a 13-year, 14-year contract. Yeah. This is a young player, a 15-year contract. Who knows? Like, if you let him creep towards free agency, they kind of were proactive again just because they had to be because of the past. Like, they had to get ahead of the mess that they found themselves in before. Yeah. And so it was them just trying to control the situation, with which props to them. It's just I read some of the stuff. That's out there today. And I go like, all right, pump the brakes. Like, a broken clock is right <laughs> twice a day. It's true. And I'm like, okay, so it struck midnight. Great. Like, awesome. You can say that this was the right thing to do. Good job on them being proactive. But like, oh, my God, the over-the-top stuff. Like, as if this is a new era. Mookie Betts was 26 when they traded him. Right? I mean, Rafael Devers is 25. 
So I understand that the Xander Bogarts comparison, and well, if you want to give him a big contract, he'll be 40 by the time that's up. Okay, fine. I still don't really like that logic because I think you're paying for the first three, four years of these big contracts anyway, and then by the time you get to years like 8, 9, and 10, it's not that much money, so who cares? Uh, you know, look at Pujols, look at Pedroia, look at these other guys who you know had these long contracts, and in the end it wasn't really that bad. It didn't hinder the team. When did this become a franchise where everyone has to applaud competency. Right. Oh, you did it right. One out of three, you got right. Mm -hmm. Good job. And everybody's (laughs) falling over themselves. It's a good contract. They did the right thing. Like, are are you supposed to just be fawning over Heim Bloom now because he did the right thing this time? Well, Um, I think it's a testament to how... 33% of the time? Well, I, I think it's really a testament to how negative the perception was of this team before whenever the news broke yesterday around five o'clock that you know I personally did not have any faith this was going to be done I thought they were going to go into the season and go oh, you know plan a is Rafael Devers he's a cornerstone piece all the nice little platitudes that were used when Xander Bogart's uh, impending free agency was upon us it was going to be the exact same thing just replace the player with Rafael Devers the Xander Bogart's thing had me thinking that this was the plan that the, the not uh, signing Devers, but the plan was just to let everybody walk and to trade everybody and to get in all the prospects you can and save all the money you can, and then you start over and basically from scratch. Twenty twenty five. This is going to be a great competitive baseball. That's team. what I thought the plan was. So seeing Devers get signed for a humongous contract, the fifth best in uh, baseball and the highest ever in the in in Red Sox history, was surprising to me. Not just because I think High and Bloom likes to operate a certain way, but because it seemed like. They were on track to do so. It seemed like there was a plan. It seemed like they had this idea of what they wanted to do, and come hell or high water, they were going to do it. And then they turn around and give out this huge contract. So, honestly, like I'm glad they did it. I'm not saying I'm not glad. I just I wonder what the plan is. You don't sound glad. This seems like they're just all over the place. It seems like they're just doing whatever. But if you look at their top <laughs> prospects right now, all their top ten prospects are slated to start getting pulled up by 2026, 2027. Yep. All the players that they're signing this past year, two, three, one-year contracts. So it's it's Heim just built, bridging his way to get like Devers to be that core once all those younger guys come up. But then it's, it's an also expensive bridge. Yeah, mm. but then you're also looking at it as like you're not going to be paying all these minor leaguers. So it's why didn't you pay guys right now that you do have that cheap talent around the core? Well, that's where I push back. And Arcan, I know this is something that you mentioned yesterday, that this is coming from ownership, that this is all John Henry and, you know, take the heat off Heim. I think it's ultimately their call, yes. I just don't, with the Xander situation, and I know it might sound dour to keep going back to that when this is good news. Again, this is good news. But I just think when you're trying to analyze the way that Heim Bloom is running the operation here, you, this is a course correction. You look at the way that he handled the Xander thing, mm-hmm. and that spiraled so far out of control. Like I, I just to the point where it's like, well, we can't go above 200, and it gets 280 or whatever. Like I, I right? But who set that number? I, we don't have the information. I don't think Hyam Bloom told John Henry, listen, but this Hyam is the Bloom most we're going to do. let get to that point. He let him walk as a free agent. I know he did, but I think he was given a budget. He lowballed him. Yeah. He made him cry. Cardinals. Uh, Stan the man. He was my favorite. My favorite player oh, is Stan Musial. Love Stan the man. <laughs> oh, if they ever traded Stan the man, it would have killed me. I don't know. Maybe John Henry showed up at the Winter Classic and somebody barked at him. Sign Rafi. He's like, that's an excellent idea. Let's uh, do okay. it. 
We haven't signed Rafi yet. Let's pay attention. Let's get that done right now. All the Stan the Mans keep leaving. <laughs> My heart would have been broken. Stan the Man had ever been traded. For we traded Andrews. Mookie the Man and Xander the it's Man. Just, and- <laughs> I, I go back to this feeling that it's just like, it's kind of like how they handled the trade deadline right. over the summer. Like, there's no direction. They're just like a drunk rowboat, like going back and forth, and they don't know what to do. And it feels like it's so interesting to me because we we got that one quote from Haim last year mm-hmm. where he was talking about when he was watching from afar, when he was in Tampa Bay, he saw an operation in Boston that was very reactionary. Yeah. And reactionary to the fans and sometimes to the media here and that he wasn't going to run it that way. And now it completely looks like he's running it that way. Yeah. Everything from the trade deadline to the way they handled Xander to the way they handled this. It is so wishy-washy, back and forth, nonsensical. Like, if they could just sit down and say, here's our eight-point plan or something, which I feel like Heim would love to have. Yeah. Like, I feel like he would just love to have this Excel spreadsheet in front of him (laughs) and explain all of this. I don't know if it's because ownership is going in and, like, deleting crap off of the spreadsheet, but it just feels drunk and directionless. Yeah, it does sort of seem that way. I'm like a college sophomore. Yeah, and for, for Devers, like, Charrington, he was brought in to sort of stop the bleeding with the money, but even they let him spend a little bit, like Sandoval and uh, Hanley Ramirez. Like well, he, he spent some money when he got here. Yeah, they let him spend a little bit. They brought Trevor Story in, right? They spent true. on this. Yeah, but and, you just look at the bigger guys that walked out the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that Xander is a bigger deal, but Xander, I think that's a foundational guy in your locker room, your captain. Yeah, and somebody who. Through tears, said many times he wanted to be here. It's true that he wanted to retire here. And I've also seen people say this a lot, too, that uh, it was a choice. They had to choose either Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers. It had to be one or the other. Why did you have to choose? First of all, yeah, why should you have to choose in the first place? And second of all, was it like Angela's Ashes in Fenway? Like, what is happening? Sophie's Choice? Like, no, yeah, that's what it is. That's the one, right? Which one's Angela's Ashes? Sophie's Choice where she has to pick a kid. Okay, is that the Irish one? I don't know. Okay, there's one, I think Angela's Ashes is the one that my mom was reading on the beach when I was growing up, and Mm -hmm. she was like, it's a story about an Irish family, which was everything she read. I'm but. still reeling from Drunk Robo. That, I don't know why the, <laughs> the, drunk the, the visual of that just made me very happy. I like that. Yeah. That's a that that was that was theater of the mind right there. I could see the I could see the drunk robo. Ted Williams. <laughs> Ted oh Teddy Ball game. But again, it is is it's a testament to Sounds like callers talking about unprecedented situations in the NFL. <laughs> Look, true. The Red Sox I mean, yes, we're all happy that they signed the Rafael Devers. The Boston Braves. The Boston Braves re-signed Rafael Devers. We're all very happy about it. But it's a good point to bring up. It's like, what is the philosophy of this team? Because you bring in Dave Dombrowski to win you a World Series, and he does it. Then you fire him. And then you bring in Hyam Bloom to fix the minor league uh, roster and your farm system. And it looks like he's doing a fairly good job of that. And then you're going to turn around and fire him because he can't bring back the guys that you're not willing to pay. It was almost like they didn't have a choice based on what I said before. The the overall view of this team was very, very negative to the point where they're confiscating Rafael Devers signs at, at the Winter Classic. It's almost like they did not have a choice. Hey, they had don't, to let do him, this. don't let them hold up those signs. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> they're hurting my feelings. <laughs> it's not even well written. Ted Williams. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that up in my up in my luxury box. Okay. What? Confiscate all the magic markers too. Linda, what does that say? I don't think so. Who's Rafi? Security. 
There's your phone number. Let's take a call here before uh, before we go to break. Chris is in Boston. Go ahead, Chris. All right. Here we go. Chris, you're on. All right. All right, guys. So bear with me here. Okay. I am. I, I, I can't. Like, no one in this city should be, like, like head over heels over the fact that we signed Devers. This is something that should have already happened. You charge the most money out of all teams for tickets. We are a top five market. We should be getting these guys. Just for some food for thought, two points I want to make real mm-hmm. quick. Spring training, if everything went the way that it should have gone, this would have been our starting lineup going into opening day. Mookie Betts, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Kyle Schwarber, Trevor Story, Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, Andrew Benfendi. Secondly, Bloom came here to quote-unquote fix our farm system. The guy doesn't have a top 100 prospect in our farm system. Dave Dombrowski had better prospects. Some of the guys we saw last year were a product of Dave Dombrowski, not Hein Bloom. Heimbloom's products, Verdugo, and Gino Downs, who got designated for assignment, I'll hang up and I'll, I'll listen to you guys. Thanks for the call, Chris, and you're not wrong I mean, like, about any of that. Mar- tra- Marcella Myers can be terrible. The Mookie trade is uh, is fair, but easy pickings, mm-hmm. you know, low-hanging fruit there. Yes, it is. In terms of the the in the in farm system, they do have to wait and let that bear out a yeah. little bit because it's easy to say that no, Don no, no, Browski's that guy guys, said he didn't do a good Tom job. Browski's guys great. are the guys now because they're all grown up. You know? We'll see what happens. Yeah, they've grown up, and they've uh, a lot of them are contributing. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Tommy Curran joins us next segment. Here's Trending. Arcan and Mego Sports Radio, WEEI. Boston Sports Original. And we've been talking about Rafael Devers. We'll be joined by uh, Tommy Curran here in about 10 minutes, but uh, wanted to just follow up on wait, our discussion wait, wait, quickly. Wait, Arcan, before we do that, yes? I think someone just texted their grocery list to the station. They did? Someone from the 614 just texted dryer sheets, frozen peas, diced tomatoes, tea sauce, Tomato small sign. Pepsi. Okay. <laughs> that might be my wife telling me to pick stuff up on the way home. What, what's the what's the number? That's a first. 614. Oh, no. Okay. Don't know that I person. don't even know what area code that is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Anyways. Um, sorry. Sorry. Now that was. going back. Okay. Um, Bring the small Pepsi on my way home. <laughs> Pete Abe has a, a piece in the globe today. And the headline is, with Rafael Devers' deal done, the Red Sox are back in the game, dot, dot, dot. Or at least they should be, and it reads as follows. Welcome to the big leagues, Boston. Agreeing to terms with Rafael Devers on an 11-year contract on Wednesday didn't reverse the series of embarrassments the Red Sox have suffered in recent years when dealing with star players, but it did signal with full intensity that John Henry will not sit on the sidelines as the Mets, Dodgers, Padres, Phillies, Yankees, and other teams aggressively pursue the best talent in the game. Yes. Yes! This Yay! was the statement. Richest contract in team history, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, your reaction, Mega? Okay. So I told you that I went through this article and I essentially did uh, track changes on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, ugh, that lead. Welcome back to the big leagues, Boston. Puke. Sorry. Just my taste there. But the next graph is what gets me. Agreeing to terms with Rafael Devers on an 11-year, $331 million contract on Wednesday didn't reverse the series of embarrassments the Red Sox have suffered in recent years when dealing with star players. Years. Yeah. Years. Couple years. How about this? Weeks. Weeks ago, Pete. Wasn't that long ago. Xander signed with the Padres on December 9th. Mm -hmm. So don't be like, oh... In the past couple of years, it's been tough. Like, people are still coming off of that. Right. It was weeks ago. 
Uh, he went on to write this. This was a statement. It's the richest contract in team history, soaring far beyond the $217 million deal David Price agreed to before the 2016 season. This is the note I had here. So after botching the situation with Xander, and however you want to view it, possibly the situation with Mookie, you can put, pat yourselves on the back for finally having a guy making the cash that the Yankees, Angels, Cardinals, and Rangers are all doling out. I didn't include the Mets there because they're insane right now. I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're wild. And then this was the last point that got me. Uh, that the Sox finally broke a destructive pattern. I'm doing P-Day voice right now. <laughs> and locked down a star player a creates hope within the organization and among a fan base that had grown tired of hearing the club had shown interest in a player but but were I don't know. It just says but were. Maybe but I were. copy copy and paste that wrong. I, my note there is just does it does it signal anything like that? Does it inspire anything among fans? I mean, we just had a caller say that he feels like this doesn't mean anything. We had Rob Bradford on yesterday who said he doesn't feel like that this is a one off. This is a special event. It seems like it seems like that. Yes, it seems like they just decided. All right, we got to do something here. We have to. We have to retain someone. Um, but the idea that now John Henry's in the game, they're not going to sit in the sidelines while the Dodgers and the and the Padres and these teams were spending on multiple players, by the way, like in different positions, sometimes at the same position. <laughs> in the Padres' case, they got like three shortstops who are all making $200 million. But, you know, the the idea that, you know, we're not going to sit idly by. You already missed out on, like, everyone. You already hey. missed out on Jose Abreu. You missed out on Dansby Swanson. You missed out on Xander. You missed out on Mitch Hanniger. You missed out on, like, every single player that you were interested in other than Kenley Jansen. Jansen's the only one that you ended up signing, basically. Uh, I know there were a couple other peripheral signings but like really that's it and now you're getting into the game like great but the game's kind of over you know this is where and again like great deal good Mm. job being proactive i'll continue repeating that because you were like oh aren't you so negative on this and negative because you look at the big picture and i don't think that this signals anything different hopefully i'm wrong i don't think this signals a trend for this club at least not in the next season two seasons I really don't. And so for people to bend over backwards, welcome back to the big leagues, Boston. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of embarrassing. Is it really a big league move to identify a promising young talent and then pay him to be a franchise cornerstone for you? I feel like that's what every team would do if they had the ability to do it like, oh, say, the Boston Red Sox, right. maybe. Multiple players even, you know? Welcome like- back to having a plan with at least one player. Yeah. And it is, I mean, listen, it's better than the alternative. The alternative is a full scale blow up, tear down, and rebuild. And I don't think anybody was uh, up for that. I don't think even Hyam Bloom was up for that, even though we sort of know what his modus operandi is here. I don't think John Henry wanted that. I don't think anyone wanted that. But they did want to cut money, they did want to get under the luxury tax. You know that. You remember that June Lee wrote about the Mookie Betts trade, and he said that uh, you know they, they didn't give him an ultimatum. They didn't say, hey, you have to trade Mookie Betts, but they said you have to get under the luxury tax. And there was no way they could have given Mookie Betts a contract and stayed under the luxury tax unless they cut the rest of the team and no one else got paid anything. Like, that's the only possible way it could have happened. It was ridiculous. So that's why I still sort of... Not to not to ride into Hyam Bloom's defense here or anything, but I still think this is you like to do it. I do sort of like to do it. I don't know why, Tommy. This this is like a hill that you've climbed. It is. You're not getting back down. I'm defending the guy, but it's it's not like I'm defending him. It's just I'm more so blaming ownership. I like the closing to this. The Sox need upgrades to their lineup and rotation, but extending Devers proves there's an appetite for further improvement. Great, or or at least there should be. 
<laughs> appetite of not getting just, booed at the winter classic the little, is what it is. The little last line, well, maybe there's not, but there should be. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's just like, I, I understand in a way, like, P-Day writing this, trying to say, hey, this is really good, and it should signal something more. But, like, he can't even write it in good enough confidence to say he has to add, add that last line, or at least it should be. Right. Okay, whatever. You want to go to Tommy here? Let's go to Tommy Curran. What do you say on the Harbor One Hotline? Uh, NBC Sports Boston. Tommy joins us right here on the program. Uh, Tommy, how you doing? Obviously a uh, a good day here for the NFL, for uh, the Buffalo Bills, and uh, really for for everyone uh, with this news out of uh, out of Cincinnati. Um, where uh, where do you sort of stand on the uh, on the possibility of this game being played? Now it certainly seems like it's a lot higher. Yeah, it seems like it's higher. I think that. As the week has gone on, the reality of the industry of the NFL and the realization that while everyone wants to do exactly what is right for DeMar Hamlin and his family and be respectful of the situation, it was probably going to trend towards being played anyway, whether it be Sunday or Monday, because precedent is set any number of times, sadly, in the NFL with players being carted off or in disrepair. Um, in so many different ways. So I think we look at this situation and it was going to trend that way. This makes it so much easier now, obviously easier being a relative term for the league to move ahead and the bills to move ahead and the Patriots to move ahead is which, which is what we heard a lot from their players uh, within the last hour. Tom, uh, seeing some reports out there that the league is mulling these different situations about possibly adding an eighth seed uh, to the playoffs or maybe letting the, top seed in the AFC make the call about the bye week. Is there any scenario going forward that you feel like makes the best sense for these teams? Probably going to winning percentage, I think, would be the best way to do it. Um, And figuring out how between those two teams you would figure out how to make the number one seed equitable. I mean, obviously we know the Bills defeated the Chiefs this year. So we're in a situation. I'm sorry. It's really freaking noisy here. Where are you, Duncan? I'm in the free. I'm in the no. I'm in the media room. Oh, okay. And you got Butch Stearns. We got cameramen cruising by. And I'm trying to find a good spot. You're good. <sighs> You're good, buddy. All right. Here I go. I'm going to sit down in this little foyer here, and then somebody's going to come in. Um, what's the best way to do it? I thought Mike Florio's idea of saying, "Okay, if Kansas City wins, they then become." the odds-on number one seed. So that means that Buffalo, regardless of Sunday's outcome, would be the number two seed based on winning percentage. If there's a way to perhaps figure that they can play a game if it arises at a neutral site, then perfect. Then you have your... uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I love the atmosphere. (laughs) Sounded like you just tripped Um, some. So now I'm going to go outside. Okay. Um, I really apologize. That's no, right. you're good, so I think that, that would like be the most like, equitable way to do You're the feet it. on the street. I know. You I feel like it. we're on like a tour of Foxborough yeah. right now. <laughs> so that, that would be the most equitable way to do it. Figure out a way perhaps to have a neutral site game if the two teams advance to the AFC championship. As we've seen already today, the NFL and NFLPA actually will have a conference at 4 o'clock, an update briefing in which we will most likely learn that the Cincinnati and Buffalo game will not be made up. So that leaves you in the situation where Buffalo will finish if the Chiefs win behind Kansas City 
even though they've beaten them. So what's the fair way to do it or the least unfair way? Maybe to play that AFC championship game if it does arise at a neutral site. How do you work out the bye week? Uh, you know, is there, a, is there a way to do that fairly? The bye week for... For the top time, I mean, do you even have two buys? Yeah, do you even do that the same way? I would say you just leave it as it is. You know, there was the other concern put forward that Adam Schefter, I believe, offered that would give the teams the opportunity to almost pick one or the other. Yeah. Between Kansas City and Buffalo. So, but I'm not as attuned to what's going on there. I, I, you know, at the league level, it's so hypothetical right now. I'm more probably attuned to, you know, kind of characterizing what's going on with the Patriots and, and how they're approaching things based upon the guys we've spoken with. Yeah, focusing back in on the Patriots. Um, I mean, I we've we've seen some of the media availabilities from the players now that they are making themselves available today, and of course, Bill this morning. Is it back to business as usual down there in terms of preparing for the game on Sunday? Is there any kind of, I guess, strange mood there given everything? I think there is a strange mood, and I think it's. Really, it's a it's a mood that we all portray as well when we're speaking publicly about this, Meg and Christian. <laughs> when we discuss things on the air, in front of folks, on television, when we write, we want to make sure that we are projecting the right level of empathy, sympathy, and concern for DeMar Hamlin, for the Bills, for the Patriots, for all of these athletes who are going to go through this. But then I think that we also have a tendency, because we all understand that that is a given, we speak more realistically, privately, which is, okay, well, what are we going to do with our pregame show? How is this going to work with this? Um, Are the Patriots going to be able to compete against a team with the intensity that you expect them to in a normal game, knowing what that team went through? So. Those are all the questions that that really arise, and I think that the players are probably confronting that themselves. And what they have to say is, look, if we're going to put on our helmets, if we're going to play the game, we're going to play it as hard as usual. And they are 23 to 27 to 28 years old with some of the outliers, (laughs) like McCourty and Slater being older. There is an invincibility, and there is a long ago, for the majority, I would say, realization that these are the, the risks they take and incur. And I don't know about you guys, but there is, I think, a greater gratefulness I feel for the fact that these guys will do this job. Baseball's one thing, basketball's another thing. Hockey is similar. But with football, the number of collisions and the sacrifices that these guys have to physically make and the courage that it takes to walk out there and do that. Um, and I can make money off of talking about it. You'd be crazy to not express just a little bit of gratitude for the fact that they'll take those risks for Wait, our entertainment. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I thought one thing that was very interesting from Bill's presser this morning was talking about Troy Brown and Gerard Mayo. I know you're very close to Mayo in particular on that staff. Um, I mean, were you surprised by a little bit of the humility that Bill showed there in saying, hey, he's a guy like us, obviously, who has never thrown the pads on and gone out on the field at the NFL level. So it's so valuable having guys like Mayo and like Brown on the staff to be able to, you know, connect in a different way with the players through a situation like this. I was not surprised just because there's times when Bill does allude to, look, there's only so much I can tell a player about what they're experiencing on the field. 
and teach it, I do appreciate the players on my staff generally be talking about Mayo in this instance, I think, who can say, well, this is the way it's actually going to look when you're on the field, and this is what you're going to see and feel. And Bill has been open about I can't speak to that. I don't know what it's like. So I think he's always really good about being honest and open about his shortcomings in terms of experience relative to things. And, you know, we look back at, at Bill's quote-unquote record as a coach, and I work with Ted Johnson, and I know Ted Johnson – had obviously his situation in 2005 where he felt or was you know kind of pressed back onto the field while still suffering concussion symptoms and then was concussed during a practice and i'm sure that bill regrets that greatly to this day and it was probably a learning experience that sadly came at the the health and expense of, of ted johnson and but i think he's a different guy now than he was 17 or 18 years ago as anyone is and he looks at this with a, a much more, I don't know, measured is the right word or um, introspective way of, of approaching it that, that the NFL and all professional sports exhibit in 2023 as opposed to the way they did 15 or 20 years ago. Um, with that being said, Tommy, there's a couple of guys who are coming off of uh, uh, the injury report and who were at practice today who had concussions last week, John U. Smith, uh, Marcus Jones, um, in Jones's case, certainly a, a big impact player. Is there going to be, do you think, any added emphasis on, uh, on guys who are coming back from head injuries like that in the wake of Tua? And now I know this wasn't the same with Hamlin, obviously, but just sort of a heightened sense of uh, health and safety going on right now? Yeah, I think it's a great question because guys have to be more cognizant, and their families do too. Devin spoke about that. David Andrews spoke about that. You know, I think anybody who's been a parent and has watched their kids compete in anything understands that you feel a weird and helpless um, sentiment as the kid's on the field. And these folks who, you know, David Andrews' wife watching this, there's a feeling that those people are going to project as you leave for work that day about, I hope you come home safe, which is the same thing that first responders and, and so many other industries experience as well. But that being the case, this is, again, it's an entertainment product. How do you measure the level of entertainment that you give when your family's looking at it? So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a constant concern that's highlighted this week. Tom, assuming the game happens on Sunday as scheduled, you wrote earlier this week, the Patriots are flawed, but why not root for a miracle? So <laughs> in a realistic way, because this defense is a good defense and the rest of the team is what they are. Uh, how do they, I guess, turn Josh Allen into Jared Goff on Sunday? Uh, how could they actually realistically pull out a win? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's hope against hope because there's not a single player that they have triumphed over at the quarterback position that anyone will call a top 10 player, Goff included. So how are they going to get Josh Allen to be complicit in undoing the bills that day. And that's why I kind of harken back to, hey, it's 1997 and 1998 before the Patriots had won a Super Bowl. And, you know, Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback for a 7-6 to loss at Pittsburgh in Three Rivers Stadium. But you didn't go into that playoff saying, oh, they're screwed, they're going to lose. Wait till they get to Denver. Denver will eat them alive with Elway. You just said, yeah, you never know. You never know. You might have some hope. Same thing the next year. They're in Jacksonville and Zolak's playing quarterback. And it's the, you're like, oh, they're screwed. They're never going to win this game. And then they start to put some stuff together, and Zolak's having a good day. You're like, 
they might they might pull this off, and then you never know. So there's a different level of expectation here. Now we've seen good football and seen good teams, and it's not as much. Hey, we could have a Cinderella story here, as much as it is. You, you, people are kind of mad at the team for being as inept as it is on occasion. So I'm just trying to say, hey, you know, roll it back. If they win, they're in. Have some fun. Follow them. Shelve your being pissed at their performances and, and enjoy it. All right, Tommy Curran, uh, we'll uh, end it on that high optimistic note right there. Thanks so much for the time today. Sorry sorry for the chaos early on. Don't worry about we it. We love it. I lo- it's atmospheric. Yeah, it was great. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> See you, bye. All right, it's Tommy Curran joining us here uh, on the program and basically saying that the best you can hope for this year is that Zolak here, which, okay, <laughs> I guess I guess that's well, something. <laughs> you know, he, wa- he wants to, <laughs> like he said, Bill is a different guy than he was 16, 18 years ago. The sure. fan base is really different than it was then. The expectations are totally different. Definitely. That's why they're pissed off. That's true. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break, and we're right back. 348 here, Sports Radio WEEI. It's Arkan and Mego here with you. And uh, before we get back to our discussion, Megan, something's been bothering you. Okay. Have you ever done dry January? I have not. So dry January, for anyone who's not aware, is when, uh, because you were such a slob during the holidays. Right. You have to cut yourself off and be sober in the entire January. I've heard of this. I've heard of sober October as well. I've but never I've, heard of that, which is crazy. Why would you want to be sober during Halloween? I don't know, time? but it rhymes. So that's probably it. I, uh, I've never done either kids. one. I've never participated in either of those two things. Sober people, like living a sober lifestyle, you're amazing. You're exempt from Good this. Good for you. I'm incredibly impressed by you people. But the dry January thing, I just, like, if you're of the drinking people... I don't understand the calculation that you make where you go into, we are going into the, sorry, we're like in the most depressing part of the year. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm going to just cut off the booze. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a blue sky in about 14 days now. Yeah, exactly. It's here, it's 40 degrees and just goes between pouring rain and just spitting on you every Mm -hmm. day. And I mean, we're lucky we don't have snow right now. And I don't know if I should be, I think I'm taking this personally because I've had a friend or two who I have texted and been like, hey, do you want to do something on Friday or something? And they write back, uh, I'm actually not drinking right now. I'm doing dry January. And I'm like. So I can't even be around you. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, what does that say about me? Yeah, Megan, you're not fun to be around if I'm not drunk. Disgusting drunk. That Mm. like, it's like, you know what? Nah, I'm out this weekend. I'm not drinking. It's like, so that's what our friendship is based on, I guess. Well, or that's the only way they can tolerate you. Yeah. It's one or the other. It's not a good option either way. And and like, I I think this bothers me in particular because I'm a very extroverted person. Mm -hmm. And like, there's people out there who, if you invite them to something that gives them anxiety and makes them upset because they're like, oh my God, now I feel compelled to go to this. I don't want to go to this. I'm the exact opposite. You invite everyone to stuff. So excited to have plans. And I try to make plans with people. I have like four different group of, groups of friends that I reach out to for plans on mm-hmm. rotating weekends because I don't want to overwhelm them. I mean, like, here's what about this Friday? What about next Friday? And dry January, I feel like I, I just can't. That'll mess up your plan. I really feel like it comes down to people feeling like they got fat over Christmas. Mm. I feel like everybody comes back from the Christmas holiday and it starts in 
in at Thanksgiving, all you have to do is listen to Fourier. They start packing on the winter pounds, and then they get to themselves in January, and they're like, this is the easiest way to lose weight. Do we ever talk about piece. how Fourier broke a chair in the other room? Do we ever discuss that? Because, I mean, that was real with him. We well, alluded to we it. We alluded to it on the I was the radio. sitting there. He sat in this chair, and the chair broke. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we heard wood cracking. Yeah. And we looked over and there was Fourier like sinking into the ground. Yeah. It would like it went <laughs> it was like uh, it was like a mudslide, you know. <laughs> but like look, I'm I'm just saying I'm looking at this from an extremely selfish place mm-hmm. of I just want my friends to hang out with Nobody me. Wants right. to hang out with and you. I don't want I don't want alcohol to have to factor into the like I'm like guys, we can do other sh- you know, they're just tired of the planning. The- they're all still drinking. They're just like, just tell her it's sober January. Exactly. <laughs> just tell her we're doing some things. I mean, this I've, month. <laughs> I've had friends and loved ones who have gone through pregnancies. Yeah. I didn't like not see them for nine months. You know, like we can do other things. It's true. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like this fad. I don't get it. Every month has to have a thing. <laughs> it's like, it's great if it's tied to a charity like the Movember thing, the mustache thing. Do people still do that? That was the thing like when I was in college. Oh, uh, I don't think so. If they do, I haven't I haven't noticed. I could never do a sober January because it's my birthday's in January. My so birthday's you, you actually coming up in, in six falling days. falling down drunk I, Well, I'm going to have a drink on my birthday, sure. I'm not going to be getting wasted, but sober January means you don't drink anything, right? You can't, you don't have a drop. Yeah, no thanks. Do you have the church wine in dry January? Um, Good question. Good question. I think Does if it it's the sacrament, if it's the Lord, it's the blood of Christ, then I think it's okay. I don't think people do the church wine as much anymore. No? Like, because, like, you know, I, I don't know how they did it at, at your church, but when I was growing up, they had just they got the, the body big, of Christ, they got the blood of Christ. They, and they had, like, a little towel that they would wipe right, the yeah. side with. I was an altar boy. I used to have to do that. Yeah, I, like, I don't think yeah. people are too keen on sharing <laughs> goblets or chalices these days. It's the COVID of Christ. <laughs> I think I, I was probably 12 when my mom was like, you don't have to drink out of that cup that mm-hmm. 120 other people are putting their mouth yeah, in. Yeah, I was 12 when my mom's <laughs> like, you are absolutely yeah. not drinking out of that because 120 people just put their mouth on it before us. And I, okay, Texter brings up a good point. Why the F would you quit drinking during football playoffs? Another another great point there. I went. I went it's a uh, lot of football this month. I went out. I remember one of my friends was doing Dry January last year, and he came out to the bar with us to watch uh, the last 49ers game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, felt bad for Must him. been miserable. He was just crushing seltzer waters. <laughs> and this is a guy who loves beer. Like, yeah, it loves seems to be the IPA. officer problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you're doing this to yourself. Is it the compromise of, because a lot of people, their New Year's resolution is, I'm going to go, I'm going to be in the gym six days a week. I'm going to mm-hmm. lose all well, this those weight. Are, that's a stupid way to go about life. That's like but I'm saying, dieting your like, life. Well, instead of, okay, instead of going to the gym, I'm just going to stop drinking for a month and maybe I'll have well, some sort lazy. of similar. Oh, is that lazy? I mean, abs are made in the kitchen. <laughs> Everyone will tell you this, but... I, I don't I don't know. I, I think just, there's people who are more addicted to going out than they are addicted to drinking. Does that make any sense? And I feel like COVID's been really tough for those people. So why so, won't they go out with me? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm sort of wondering. <laughs> kind of, like. I guess I'm working through this in real time. <laughs> Could have something to do with it. I don't know. I just say uh, I feel like it's something that I've had a couple friends doing right now and I don't like it. And it's affecting my life. So I wish that they fail. I hope that they fail. I hope they get like 11 days into dry January and they wake up and they realize that they're wasting precious days of their youth. Yes. It would be awesome at an intervention. 
Yeah. I, I want, I'm going to do a reverse in for intervention. Get him back, on, yeah. get him back drinking. Get, get uh, him to fall off the wagon. I don't know. We kind of like you when you were a wreck. Exactly. You want more fun. Um, 617-779-7937 is the phone number if you'd like to chime in. If you're uh, going through a dry January, if you're, uh, you know, have a, a thought on the matter. That's, Call uh, until Megan can berate you. That's right. Megan can tell you why it's not cool and uh, and yell at you like I'm she, not saying you're one not of her friends that's blowing her off. Cool. It's just like <laughs> we can do other things. We don't have to get falling down drunk. Like no, It's all right. That's true. I do other stuff. <laughs> I have right. a full life. I'm not even saying I do that, by the way. <laughs> Um, do you know what? Have fall down can't drunk fall, or have a life? Yeah, falling down. Yeah, drunk. I was. Oh, I was go. like, which one are we talking about? I wasn't about? sure which one. Which one you meant? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little Bruins because the Bruins are in the news and probably the third biggest story in the city right now. So we'll get to that next.